0: Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. I'm very pleased to be joined this week by Adrian Ridnauer, the CEO and co founder of Study.com. Really interesting backstory in terms of founding the company and really interesting stuff that they're working on today. And I, I think it's a relevant topic for those of us trying to keep an eye on what's emerging in learning and education. But with no further ado, uh, let me welcome Adrian to the show. So Adrian, welcome to Trending in Education.
1: Thank you for having me, Mike. I'm excited to
0: be here. Yeah, and normally the way we begin is we ask uh, each of our guests for their origin story. So how did you get to this point in your career? And uh, you have a pretty interesting career and uh, background. Catch us up on where you came from and where you are uh, now.
1: Absolutely. And I guess the place I'd like to start is really I bring a perspective of a first generation uh, college graduate, but it's it's more than that. My family is originally from Argentina. So I was born there and moved around multiple times. We lived in Venezuela, Brazil, and finally moving to the United States as I was uh, finishing up uh, high school. So as, as someone who's seen that span in, and really understood that learning is different in, in every place and for every person. Mm-hmm. That That's a big part of why what I bring with me and what I've really brought over the last two decades as I've been working on the problem of of making education accessible. So yep, yep. the other thing I, I want to touch on that I think is important is accessibility is really important because I've had first-hand experience. My brother Pablo has special needs uh-huh. and, and is something that He he learns differently. He's much more of an experiential learner, visual learner, and I was able to see that over his life and my life and really realizing that's not unique to him or other people with special needs. Mm -hmm. All of us learn differently, and that's a big part. So as I went through school and worked my way through my software engineering degree and my undergraduate, I knew there was a way that technology could dramatically increase the quality and, and personalization of learning And drastically reduce the cost, especially of higher education. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big part of why I created uh, study.com and we do what what we've been doing over the last several years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting span of time too, because as someone who's been in the field, I've been doing this type of thing for 20 plus years. And it looks like in some way, shape or form, study.com has been keeping an eye on things over that period of time. It is interesting that a lot of the same problems have been in the space for the entire time. But one of, the, one of the main problems I think was always adoption. Like not enough people were necessarily fully sold on the promise of online learning and then 2020 happened. And so whether you're sold on it or not, you really didn't have an alternative. I've talked about it as a forcing function in terms of adopting digital solutions for many folks who may not have been doing that before. As an organization that's been doing this for quite some time, understanding how to solve the problem and how the problem space is evolving, I'd love to get some of your perspective on what 2020 has been like and then maybe shed some light on what you really what what you're trying to accomplish with study.com these days.
1: Yeah, 2020, the pandemic really has shifted the world in every way, and you're absolutely right. 90% of the world school population at some point was learning from home, either 100% or, or blended. And as rapid and uncomfortable as it it fell, certainly plenty of mistakes and errors for those of us who have been in the space a long time. We've seen, I completely agree, I think it's a huge leap forward uh, towards the future learning. And I view it as we've, we've leaped forward five years and five months easily. Mm -hmm. And it was, I like how you phrased it as a forcing function. Uh, For us as an ed tech company, I think we've seen a dramatic adoption in terms of not just with schools, K-12 and colleges but really even further accelerated learners and, and, and educators that are directly yeah. on the platform. So mm-hmm. engagement has, has gone through the roof and the demand has gone through the roof. And I think that for us, the, the, the benefit of having spent over two decades working on how do you reimagine learning in yeah. this new modality? How do you make it better? I think it's been, it's been really key because remote teaching isn't the same as online learning. And for me, I hear a lot of comparison and remote teaching fails in comparison to truly a robust reimagined online learning experience. Mm-hmm. If anything, I also don't think technology is going to substitute great teachers or classrooms are going away. Right. Uh, we're all appreciating uh, a good teacher now more than ever. And, and we're reminded of the value they bring. But I, I do think that what we've done has laid the foundation uh, to really enhance and expand how we teach our yeah. students yeah. Of, of all ages. And I think that's a big part of what, the pandemic has accelerated.
0: And I was really uh, intrigued by the the fact that your platform is not designed just for students. It's also designed with educators in mind. And we've talked a lot about just trying to empathize and support our educators in this really difficult year. It sounds like some faculty, some teachers have been able to find support, supplemental resources, ways to connect study.com resources into what they're uh, teaching. Can you talk a little bit about that, maybe expand more a quick description of what study.com is as a platform and who it's designed for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The way we like to think about it is study.com is is really a platform designed to provide academic support both for learners and educators. And we really build knowledge confidence. And to put it in perspective, we're helping over 30 million learners and educators on Mm study.com every month. And that could be through accessing one of our courses, our micro video lessons, a teacher using one of our lesson plans for their class. Mm -hmm. And really, we have a huge breadth. So, I think a a key that's unique to study.com is we really provide an integrated learning experience. And it's not just crowdsourced curriculum or curriculum in other places. We built expert created micro learning modules that students really love. And that's Mm -hmm. why teachers will, will integrate it in the classroom, mix and match to what they need. And that was happening before COVID, yeah. but now it's become imperative to, to really break up the learning and not just create Zoom fatigue and, and have students get lost. So yeah. they, they've been able to find ways to make it engaging and to bring learning to life in an environment that people are are distanced and, and away from each other and they can't see and be yeah. with the students the same way. So anything that we can do to help really aligns with our mission of making education accessible. So we're really happy to be able to do that.
0: And that mission certainly resonates, making it accessible. And then the other component around the accessibility, I'd love to get some of your perspective on uh, digital inclusion and some of the challenges that have surfaced around who has access to the right level of technology and digital footprint to be able to fully engage. I know you've talked about accessibility as one of the the pillars of your thinking and of what uh, study.com does, but but one of the things that 2020 has really surfaced on a lot of fronts is the digital divide. Do you have any perspective on that?
1: Definitely, I think sadly, that's probably one of the things COVID-19 has exposed and increased more than ever, yeah. is existing inequalities in our society. I totally agree. And I think learning inequality is just one of those. My view is, I think, it, it, it's also easy to to forget that many poor students and, and families rely on the public school system, not just for learning, but for yes. meals, device, broader internet access. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, we've seen a lot of efforts and some very well-intentioned efforts to provide broadband, mm-hmm. some really innovative tactics like Texas and Alabama deploying school buses has Wi-Fi hotspots across yep. the community or devices and bringing districts and schools, especially K-12 one-to-one, yep. to assist the most vulnerable among us. And I think that's helped, but it really won't undo decades of systematic problems yep. in the educational system. I think we're, we're still a long way from e- equitable outcomes for all students. But what I do hope this crisis brings for all the, the tragedy that it brought, that at least gives us more options on how students can learn and our work at study.com be a small part of making a big difference for generations of of future learners. I just think, you know, this work won't won't happen overnight, but I think it's critical that we're mindful as we're designing the learning learning of the future to keep the students and family in, in mind. But there's a lot that we do as part of our social impact work to bring accessibility to education, not just in what we do with the product. For example, we've donated over $23 million in kind value across our impact programs, including millions to help public schools during the pandemic access the platform. Yep. And we've seen huge response to that effort, especially on Title I schools, mm. to really help try to, to help the, the, the population there. But it's hard. I think the, yeah. the digital divide affects all kinds of families. And from my point of view, the, the other piece that I feel very strongly about, I don't know how you feel about it, is at this point, broadband is, is not is not a nice to have. Mm-hmm. It really has become a utility. It's something yeah. that we really need to go and make sure that every single household yeah. in America, especially with kids, has yeah. access to broadband. It's just a, a tough issue.
0: Exactly, and it, you could even add the the public health risks, particularly in rural America, where if you don't have access, you know, to telehealth reliably, or if you have to use a phone instead of the internet. It is. it's really an interesting time to be reflecting on justice, equity, and digital access. So yeah, it's really just wanted to raise that to begin with. But then the flip side, I think, is that folks who have the wherewithal and the hustle and the grit to lean in to the types of programs and assets that are provided through study.com, there's some cool stories about acceleration that that I was interested in hearing from you on too. So there, in addition to the access, some of the efficiencies and the the friction that's removed by using an online platform, it sounded like there's some cool stories of folks who are able to maybe move faster or solve some of their challenges in their educational journey by using your platform. Can you talk a bit about that?
1: Absolutely, and. Definitely for us, and that's a really good point to to bring up. We talk about making education accessible, and very often, especially this time, takes the in terms of affordability and the things we, we just spoke about. But it's a lot more than that. One of the things for us is is really providing flexibility and ability for people uh, to move at their own pace. And the piece for us, if you think about Study.com, our curriculum spans K-12 through higher ed, STEM to social sciences, and everything in between, mm-hmm. right? We have over 83,000 video and micro lessons, yeah. 14,000 teaching tools for instructors, worksheets, activity. And the other thing we, we have that's really unique is we have the largest online college course catalog with over 225 college courses that are recommended for college credit. So right. think of it as community college from mm-hmm. your phone. You can mm-hmm. take courses and transfer. And we've seen with a platform built to deliver learning in this engaging way, students do amazing things. So I, we have our Working Scholars Program, which helps working adults, often single parents that are have some college uh, credit but no yeah. degree, mm-hmm. be able to complete in the span of a year or a year and a half courses that would take them five or six years to compete in a, a community college because they can do it yeah. from their phone. They mm-hmm. can do it. While they're waiting for their for their, their kids to finish uh, something, and mm-hmm. they're learning, but it, they're also advancing their career and their livelihood for their their families, which is right. it was something we've been working on for many years, and it's it's, it's become an even uh, bigger part of our mission as more and more families face unemployment in in the face of the pandemic. So yeah. that that's been a huge part, and the other part acceleration has been happening. It's just with students and parents. It's been incredible. I was talking to a mom of a, a kid that, that had ADHD and struggled with learning in a traditional environment, and it wasn't by choice that that they obviously had to go remote. And she was looking for everything she could to help to help him, and all of a sudden ran into Study.com and realized now he's moving faster through subjects areas that was struggling on in traditional learning in history because we help visualize things that actually make it sticky compared to just reading a a book that was hard to keep the attention uh, for her son. So we've seen just transformational learning and really closing the the knowledge confidence gap that a lot of students and, and parents have. And that's a big part of what we try to do at Study.
0: Yeah. It's pretty cool how extensive your library is. As a guy who's spanned uh, the educational ecosystem throughout my career, I was uh, impressed to see the the scope of, of content that study.com represents. I was curious, Adrian, just around any patterns or trends you're beginning to see around usage of the platform in light of the pandemic. You mentioned increase, which is understandable but are there certain types of courses or certain types of programs that you're seeing the most rapid uptake or is it really across the board? Are there any uh, trends that you're noticing that you'd be willing to share?
1: Yes. I think overall learning engagement as a metric has gone through the roof for us. I think that's one metric, which is regardless of which subject or, or grade level or if it's high school or college, we've seen just a tremendous spike in overall learner engagement on the platform more specifically, one of the trends that we have seen historically, like you said, our platform spans a lot of different areas. And we had a lot of students that were preparing for an exam or, or a test, for example. It could be uh, something like an SAT or something like a professional test certification like nursing and, yeah. and, and teacher or even earning college credit. And traditionally, that was a, a big part of our usage that we saw. I think an acceleration that really took us by surprise was just the core learner who really was just struggling to figure out linear equations or to mm-hmm. figure out and their regular avenues for getting help, the tutoring center that might be open right. and free at the local college, mm-hmm. or the teacher that could have office hours at the high school, all of a sudden were gone. Mm-hmm. And they were they were stuck at home with the parents who really have gone an experience on what it's like to be a to be a teacher yeah. uh, most of the ones I, I've talked to and, and get that experience firsthand now and I think that they've turned into solutions like study.home to help and really we help and we're like a tutor in your pocket and that's been the big part of of I think what has really accelerated and and that has been across STEM, it has been around social sciences where really they want help with specific concepts and things that they're struggling with. just like they would go to a tutor but they can do it on demand with exactly what they need. And that's been a a big acceleration that we've seen over the last six months.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. We're coming up a a bit on time. So I wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to share any any additional advice for our listeners. And and then we always conclude by asking our guests what's new and emerging that's capturing your uh, imagination these days. And I know you're someone who's Very plugged into what's going on in educational technology and learning, higher ed, really the the whole gamut. Definitely would love to hear anything new and exciting that we haven't heard about so far that's capturing your imagination, but also wanted to give you an opportunity to just share any concluding thoughts or or perspective as we continue the conversation.
1: Yeah, I would say on a closing thought, and I'll share some of my thoughts around the future what the future holds and what I'm excited about. But I think one one thought is it's easy uh, for all of us to think about the pandemic and get stuck in in the the moment that we're living and ultimately uh, an optimist when it comes to learning. I I think there's a lot that that we're seeing right now uh, that brings innovation uh, to how we help students, how we help educators. And it isn't perfect, but we will learn and we will get through this. And I think that I'm ultimately optimistic that we have to help everyone and we can make sure that the benefit of the innovation doesn't just go to a select few. Yeah. But we, we absolutely will, will end up in a better place because the digit, digitizing learning is really, in my mind, the only way to bring the ultimate dream of personalized, mm-hmm. truly personalized learning experience to, to life. Uh, and to build knowledge, confidence for, for each and every uh, student. Other than figuring out a way to get a one-to-one teacher-to-student ratio right. in every in every class in, in, in the world, this is the closest. And we have now looked forward. We can educators, parents, students, we can unlearn what we've learned. We can undiscover what we've discovered. And through all the pain that we've gone through trying to make things and figure things out, even the basic technology things, over the last six months, I, I think we'll end up in a, in a better place. So I just yeah. wanted to share that because uh, it's—I it, spent a lot of time worrying about the, the future and, and, and accessibility and equity. Yeah. But ultimately, I remain optimistic that um, that there's a lot of great work and, and learning being done out there. That's and there's awesome. a lot of things I'm excited about when it yeah. comes to technology going yeah. over the next over the next three, four, five years.
0: That's great. Yeah. And then and then I think you were going to look into your crystal ball a bit as well as we're concluding here. So other What's new? What's emerging? It's interesting, separate from the, the crazy year that 2020 has been, it's the beginning of a new decade. So as you look ahead into, say, the next three to five years, five to 10 years, what's, what's capturing your imagination? What's getting you excited?
1: I, I think, and again, I'm a recovering software engineer, so you have to forgive. <laughs> I, I have very much a technology land, and that's a, a big part of, of what I've spent a lot of time thinking and and, and dreaming about. But I really do think that now that we have this much access to learning data and and learning science, what we'll be able to deliver with machine learning and and AI, I think is going to be something that there was a lot of talk over the last five to 10 years. And I think over the next five years, there's going to be a lot more impact that we can have with those technologies. And the reason I'm excited, particularly about those two, is because we can develop it centrally. Let's say at study.com, we're doing a lot of work with adaptive learning Mm -hmm. and it's automatically deployed to every user uh, and every possible student, educator, learner. We don't have to wait for them to get hardware or devices. And that's a big part when we think about accessibility. Mm -hmm. I'm also excited about VR and and as a geek, I love Mm -hmm. some of the the experiential things we'll be able to build. I think that's further away when it comes to learning and education Mm -hmm. because of the fact that the devices have to be truly there, wow. and the affordability of those have to be there from a deployment perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think machine learning and, and and AI are much more closer to a reality. And the other one that that we don't talk about quite a lot, but I've been really starting to think about for us as study, a big shift was when broadband really started taking off. That it became around 2011, 2012, much more accessible. We were able to shift to micro videos and micro lessons from text-based learning. And that was a huge shift. Mm -hmm. 5G, for as much as we've been waiting for it, and it's it's been a lot of talk, it's now truly starting to get a rollout. And what we'll be able to do there from a perspective of connecting students, connecting learners and instructors that are halfway across the world from each other, what it's going to feel instantly, but on a mobile device, I think it's going to be really exciting bringing those things together like crunching data very quickly mm-hmm. and helping personalize with a connection that is begun to feel pretty much instant in a device that someone can carry in their pocket i think it will truly take learning to to a new, a new phase and i'm very optimistic where the next three to five years will take us as all those technology trends converge yeah. and we spent a lot of time at study.com thinking on how do we keep exploring and, and leaping forward and reimagine that learning experience as those new trends become a reality?
0: Yeah, great stuff. You're among friends here, Adrian. I, th- I think we're picking up what you're putting down. So very much appreciate uh, you taking the time today. Adrian Ridenhour is the CEO of study.com. If folks want to follow more of this type of stuff, do you have any recommendations where folks can uh, learn more?
1: Definitely a study.com uh, is, is the best way. We have a lot of stuff. We also publish a lot of our research studies and, and service there. So following a study.com, there's a lot of, of, of material that, that we publish there in addition to the platform itself. So definitely a great place to start.
0: Awesome. So thanks very much, Adrian. Really appreciate the time for our listeners. As always, appreciate you checking in again. And if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, share it write a review, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.